Welcome to the Connected Mom Podcast, where we have real conversations helping you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your fellow moms, and more intentionally with your child. I'm Becky Harling, your host, and I have with me today my amazing, illustrious co-host, Sarah Wildman. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Becky. Man, it's so good to be in our second season of the Connected Mom podcast, and we actually have a first for our listeners. Let's tell them more about that. Yeah, we do. So we decided, Sarah and I were talking, and we decided it would be so much fun to have a novelist, you know, because sometimes our conversations are real, real serious, and sometimes we're all about the nonfiction authors, but we thought, well, why not have a novelist on? And so it's a privilege for me to introduce you to Nicole Dees. She is one of my favorite fiction authors. In fact, my adult daughter was supposed to bring in the package that was coming with Nicole's book. And she told me, well, mom, I have to confess, I almost stole it and read it first. (laughs) And I told her she couldn't do that because I needed to get ready for this podcast. But Nicole writes wonderful novels. And I kind of believe that every mama out there needs to read a good novel and just relax. So this one is for you. Nicole's novels are humorous and heartfelt. Most of them are hope-filled romance ones. Uh, She's won all kinds of awards. She writes for Bethany House Publishers. When she's not working on her next contemporary romance, she can usually be found reading by a window overlooking the inspired beauty of the inland Northwest. She lives in small town Idaho with her happily ever after hubby, two towering over her teen sons, one princess daughter with the heart of a warrior. And I just am so excited to introduce you to Nicole. You are going to love this podcast, girl. So Nicole, tell us a little bit about your family, how you got started into writing fiction. I mean, what led you to all this? Yeah, well, let me just first say I'm just so um, thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. What a privilege. Um, And yay for being the first novelist. This is so fun. (laughs) So thank you for letting me be on the show. Yeah, we should have an award for you, really. (laughs) (laughs) I'll wear it. If you make me a button, I'll wear it. Um, Okay. My so we live in uh, North Idaho, so very very close to um, Canada, just about an hour and a half away. And we moved where we are about nine years ago. Um, I have been married for almost twenty years. Like you said, I have two sons who are um, giants. I have my oldest is seventeen. He's six six, uh, really big guy. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my husband's only six four, so he's now surpassed my husband. Um, and then my 15-year-old, uh, he is very tall as well. He's probably almost 6'4". And then um, our little bitty daughter, <laughs> who is almost six, almost 13, she would love to be almost 16, uh, almost 13. And uh, we adopted her from China when she was seven, and she is just my little best friend. So um, we, we love where we are. Um, I write full-time, pretty much. Um, and it really started maybe when I was, um, like I've always loved story. I've always had such a heart for story. Mm-hmm. I love telling stories. I never really thought I would write novels. Um, but then around 30, we moved from um, 
where my husband and I both grew up. We met when we were in youth group when we were 15. Uh, and so we had left kind of this, our home church that we had known forever and all of our community and, and friends and family that we had grown up with um, to, uh, he was kind of transferred in his job to Texas. And so we were in this middle of, you know, brand new place, knew nobody. And all I had was the library and these two little toddlers. And so I thought, well, you know, I guess I'll get back into reading. I'd always loved reading. And um, so it was through kind of this voracious need to read that I was like, maybe I, I, I looked at my husband one night after finishing a series of like reading a book a day kind of thing. And I looked at him and I said, I think I want to do this. And he said, do what? <laughs> and I said, I think I want to write. <laughs> I said, I think I want to write like an actual book. And he's like, okay, do it. And that was the discussion. Um, that was it. That was, that was all period. Um, and then, yeah, I started, I literally started about a week later um, and just started writing and I never have stopped. So that was about 11 years ago. And I, I've, the journey has been wild. The journey has been um, kind of all topsy-turvy. Life has happened. Moves have happened. Children have happened. Adoptions have happened. But um, the Lord just continues to place uh, stories on my heart. And I love to write and tell those um, in the timing that he gives me. I love that so much. And before we get to the next question, I do have a question. If you have two sons who are both over six feet, what in the world do you feed them? And how do you keep up with your food bill? <laughs> that is like everyone talks about, you're going to be so sad about empty nesting. And I'm like, that is probably very true. Like I already get teared up about it, but I will not be sad about the grocery bill. Like it'll be very wonderful to pass on the grocery expenses. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> right. Like, make sure you talk to me well. Uh, this is an upkeep, you know. So, yes, especially in the summer, it's this constant drive by in the pantry situation all the time. So, I'm just, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> That's funny. So, there is no good story without good characters. I know that much about novels. And uh, could you give us a little bit of the background on inspiration for your characters, especially in this new book and, and how you landed on their names? That's a super fun thing to know. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so in The Words We Lost, that story um, is pretty unique. I've only had this happen one other time with characters where um, I was actually finishing up another novel and I had no ideas at all for the words we lost. I, I didn't even know, I, I didn't know anything. I, I was kind of finishing up the last uh, contract. And I remember just sitting in my living room and so I wasn't trying to brainstorm or anything and I just kind of got this flood of an idea. Um, and I knew that I wanted to write a book surrounding um, a manuscript, a missing manuscript, kind of that, this idea of like, what would it be like to have had an author write something that then she passes away? And um, so from there, like I kind of saw two or three scenes in my mind, like a movie. And then because of those scenes, those characters just kind of developed um, pretty hmm. naturally from, you know, from the scenes that I saw. Like I knew what kind of uh, characters would need to be involved. I knew that there would need to be a writer. And I knew that there would need to be someone that was close enough into that writer's life um, to have great influence. And then I, you know, thought of an editor 
Um, and then what that editor would be going through. And then I thought, well, there has to be a love interest. And so how is he kind of that play? So it, it kind of developed really organically. Um, sometimes, like not all the time that that happens, um, sometimes characters are a little bit more tricky to figure out like what their wounds need to be or what their goals need to be. But this story kind of, um, I think just because of those initial uh, movies in my mind, I kind of had a, a pretty funneled focused, you know, kind of vision for, for them um, and their names. So I'm trying to remember Cece, I love nicknames so much. Um, so I, I always have a character with mm-hmm. like one nickname. <laughs> so um, Cece, I think was just, I think I might've been scrolling through a list of names and, and her stuck out. Joel was, I have always wanted to use that name and I just didn't have a character that fit that very well until him. And so I was like, yep, this is the one for him. And then Ingrid took me a while. Um, I actually asked my sister-in-law, who's one of my best friends, I was like, what's like a really unique kind of different name um, that you haven't heard for a while? And she literally, she's not like really big into reading and stuff. So, but she's like, one time we had this exchange student at our house and her name was Ingrid. And I was like, done. So that's how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great story. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love that. And yeah. it, this is a very unique book, uh, Nicole. I I love the way, I, I mean, I read it cover to cover. I mean, I have to quick finish it before my daughter steals it, right? But um, so I read the whole thing cover to cover and love it and highly recommend it. But it, it delves into friendship so deeply and I love the way you wove that together through this story, these three friends. And before we get to their friendship, why do you think it's a good idea for moms to read novels? I mean, they're always trying to improve themselves or read a book about how to be a better parent or how to up their discipline or how to down their discipline or how to be creative. But why are novels a good idea? Um, I think that you just said it actually, I, I you know about a, a few years ago, um, a different sister-in-law of mine had twins. And so she was very, very busy. And, um, I remember her husband, so my, my husband's brother reached out to me and he was like, I need you to help my wife. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Help you? And he said, she is so like, she has a sliver of time. And, um, she, and with that sliver of time, she's like, you know, 10 different entities, right? So she's, you know, um, trying to get her work at it and she's trying to get all of her self, I don't want to call it help, self-help, but you know, Christian living and all, you know, all of these kind of, yeah. um, great, uh, you know, nonfiction, you know, pieces that improve and all the things that we're trying to do to work on ourselves. But he's like, but she doesn't rest. And then, you know, and so she, he's like, I need you to recommend some books. And so we kind of brainstorm some things and she, she reads me, but kind of gave her some other things. And she wrote me about, that was a Christmas time a couple years ago. Um, and about three or four months in, she was like, oh my gosh, I, I forgot how much I loved and needed fiction. You know, she's like, just the gift mm-hmm. of story, the gift to kind of, um, you know, it's it's that portable magic, you know, quote that we have, you know, when we think about books, like they're this portable magic that we get to carry. And I think right now, I like, I'm so guilty of this. I, I did this last night, so I will be fully disclosure. I just got off the deadline yesterday. Um, it was a brutal mm-hmm. last week. And so um, I always have an audiobook that I'm kind of in, 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 but last night I did the thing where I like lay down 
and I lose an hour and a half just scrolling on my phone, you know? And I think that, man, that does not re-energize me. That does, that gives me nothing. At the end of that, that is such an empty, that's such an empty waste, you know? And I actually thought, I have three books right now that I've been wanting to read and I just wasted this time just because I was tired. So I think that there's a gift in this, um, in the beauty of, of, of being in a novel, of, of actually learning something, mm. of with people, of laughing, of, of being into a story and letting our mind actually, you know, take root in something that has value rather than this kind of empty emptiness that we can scroll through when we're in the place to just kind of um, relax and recharge. So. Mm. I love that so much. And by the way, my daughter, one of my daughters has identical three-year-old twins. She also needs a good rest. (laughs) So she takes my novels as well. (laughs) I buy them and they borrow them. (laughs) You're basically a library. (laughs) Right. Basically. Yes. Basically I am. Exactly. So Nicole, on this podcast, we love talking about connection with our name, the connected mom. And we know that connection with friends is so important, Mm -hmm. you know, in this journey. So in your book, The Words We Lost, you tell the story of friendship between three individuals. And even though they're not mothers, Becky was pointing out that they still exemplified loyalty, acceptance, forgiveness. So just personally, why are those qualities so important? in our friendships? Yeah, I think to have a friendship and not have those qualities would be um, not a very deep or valuable, you know, friendship for either person. Um, And really, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about this question and I, you know, I think the most obvious answer is, you know, if Christ is our model, you know, he exemplifies all of these things, you know, to love Mm -hmm. well is to, you know, the way that he accepts, the way that he's so faithful. Um, and the way that he, you know, forgave, you know, all of us, um, just this, this beautiful gift that he's given. And so I think that to have any kind of friendship of true worth um, is to be willing to be vulnerable, is to be willing to, um, you know, be exposed, I guess, you know, at, at the same level and be willing mm-hmm. to invite people in to our world. And I always think, you know, I talk to a lot of women um, at church and small group and, you know, um, just different events that we have in, in women's ministry. And, you know, I hear so often that women are like, you know, I want this kind of friend. And, and there's always this moment of like, well, are you that kind of friend? You know, are you willing to offer mm-hmm. that kind of forgiveness, that kind of loyalty, that kind of acceptance of others? Because, um, you know, it works both ways. Right. And so I think that whenever we're wanting something um, in the realm of friendship, we have to first examine our own hearts and, and are we giving that in? I have a friend who, um, I've, you know, I'm 41, so I have now kind of these, you know, different pods of friends. Um, but I have a friend who mm-hmm. has really walked with me for about 25 years, um, back when I was dating my husband, you know, to getting married, to having my, my boys, to adopting her daughter, to losing my sister. Um, so all of these different life mm-hmm. experiences and, when I look back and I think, well, what are, you know, what are the gifts of that relationship? And I can go, you know, we were able to say we were on this committed journey together to love each other well, mm-hmm. um, to be in each other's lives. And sometimes that looked like her giving 80% when I was at 20%. And sometimes that looked like us being 50-50, but it always looked like um, us keeping short accounts and us, you know, 
being able to um, accept where each other was at and to offer forgiveness when we when we mess up. And so, and I think that's mm. that's the value, you know, of a beautiful connection and relationship. In your book, the way you have the two girl characters, the two main ones, um, mm-hmm. Cece and Ingrid, they mm-hmm. both are very wounded. They would consider themselves broken. And interestingly enough, both of them have father wounds, and that kind of plays out in the in the story. You know, what, how do our how does our brokenness impact our ability to be able to make? and keep good friends. I feel like you touched on that a lot in the novel. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. You see that um, in, with Ingrid, my main character. I think that it does exactly what you say. You know, it, our brokenness can really act like a barrier, you know, to um, mm-hmm. the people in our lives. And when we're when we're not willing to kind of expose that to the light and to, um, to kind of you know, whether it's, you know, if through humility or whether it's just, um, you know, the, the fear of, you know, being hurt again, the self-protectionness, whatever that is, like if we're mm-hmm. building walls um, and we're pushing people further away and we're um, cre- taking on narratives that were never ours, you know, to, to live through or live by. And we really watched that in Ingrid um, through the death of her friend and Mm-hmm. And kind of all of these barriers that she's keeping up to self-protect, um, but then it really starts to, to to pull her away, to isolate her, which is exactly what, of course, the enemy does in our lives. Um, but you know, I think that we can only be as close as we're willing to be vulnerable. And so the journey, yeah, really, all of um, you know my characters, you know, all all three of them really have to go through is being willing to kind of expose. What are those places of brokenness, um, so that they can, you know, they can actually walk toward healing, you know, together. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Hmm. That's awesome. So, another theme that runs through your book is grief, and that I first glance wouldn't always be part of a romance novel, <laughs> but you, but you built that in. So, what made you decide to put that theme of grief in there? Yeah, I do tend to put a lot of things in romance novels that don't typically belong. So that's become part that's of awesome. my career now. I think um, <laughs> I set out for that to be, but it's like, oh, you're writing a book about this and this? Yes, I'm putting those things together. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, Complex. I love it. Apparently, it just kind of always, <laughs> I don't know why, but um, so with this story, um, so I lost my sister about 10 years ago. She was 26 uh, in a car accident mm. and uh, the youngest mm. of four in our sibling mm. set. And that obviously was a very radical, um, life-changing event for our whole family. Um, mm. You know, mm. so many multifaceted um, components of grief and how they play out in um, you know, my parents and other siblings and, and my sister was uh, engaged at the time. So her fiance, so all of these, you know, kind of ripple effects of this. And and so I think just being a novelist, um, I was only about a year into my writing when that happened. And I always knew that at some point I would, um, I would need to deal with the grief through writing, but really I didn't, um, for a very long time, there was times where I thought, well, maybe I'm ready. And then it was like, nope, I'm not ready. And so that same time that I 
was sitting on the couch and kind of thought of these characters um, and kind of had that little, I don't want to call it a vision, but those movies in my mind, um, there was just this peace that pressed upon my heart that I had never felt before. Um, this will be her 10th, uh, this is the 10th year of my sister's passing this year. And um, I had this just overwhelming peace, like it's time. And um, mm -hmm. I just started crying and I thought, you know, can I do this? Like, can I actually do this? Because this is going to be so exposing. This is going to be so vulnerable um, for me to even write about grief in this way because it has been experienced, you know, um, by myself. And I just felt the Lord's hand over and over and over um, through the whole process. And even to, I write about that in my author's note at the end of the story, um, but mm -hmm. just even at the end, even literally writing that author's note, which I put off for the entire novel um, until the very last time I turned my book in. I think I was writing it until about three in the morning. Um, and I was turning my book in at mm. eight in the morning the next day. So it was a close window. And um, but even then, mm. I felt like the Lord's hand was so gracious um, to just say, this is the time. And it was the this single most healing thing um, because of so many other things that the Lord had walked me through with grief that this book really became very um, healing and therapeutic um, for me to write. And it was the right time. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I really want to thank you for including that, Nicole. I, I did read your author's note at the end of the book and I know the place of writing from personal pain and that can be really, really challenging, but thank you for doing that because yeah. one of the things that I loved about your novel, The Words We Lost, was how you described the grief process in Ingrid, who, you know, is Cece's best friend. I don't want to give away the whole novel, but um, Ingrid, uh, it just has such a hard time and she's an editor and because of her grief, she can no longer even read. And I, I loved the way you described that because I have friends that have walked through deep grief and they find it impossible to describe it to other people. And so thank you for including that. Um, and then as I'm thinking about this, we have moms, you know, who are listening to this podcast and maybe some of them are grieving, you know, maybe it's not the loss of a best friend. Maybe it's the loss of a baby, a miscarriage, a, a marriage. I mean, it could be lost on so many different levels. What, what hope would you give somebody that's grieving? Because you, I mean, you've really walked through it. Yeah. Man, I think that, um, I think that's such a beautiful way to say that too. Like we've all, there's loss is everywhere. All of us have felt some level of loss through, you know, whether it's losing someone close or, or whether it's a, the big loss of a dream or the big, you know, like there's so many or, or the hope of something that hasn't yet come that feels like a loss, you know, there's, there's, it's, mm -hmm. it's so mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I think that the, I think that the thing I would say, the advice that I would say is that, you know, it's minute by minute so often, right. And it's day by day and it's, um, you know, my brother walked through a really super painful divorce um, about eight years ago. And I remember just telling him over and over, we would have these calls. This is just coming to me as I'm saying this, but we'd have these phone calls. Um, and I would just say, this is not your forever. Like, this is your right now, but this is not your forever. And and it's not that mm -hmm. um, the grief 
is like the grief is a part of our new journey, right? Um, that the Lord is so faithful to redeem and to grow and to heal. And um, I, it's so, it doesn't seem possible in the moment of that deep, deep, deep pain that um, God can ever do anything with it. Um, and then you're mm-hmm. 10 years out mm-hmm. and you look back and you go, what did he with it? You know, and I hope that even though this, this novel takes place in, I think, a year's time um, total from the beginning to end, that you still see that kind of transformation of, of how God brings people in to be the hands and feet of Christ, how God brings in that mm-hmm. precious community. Um, I don't know how people get through grief at any level without um, Christian community. I don't. Like, I feel like there's such yeah. beauty in that. I will always include that in my books. I think that is one of the best gifts that God's given us is that is community, whether it's mm-hmm. other moms in our lives small group, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in that. And so I think he uses, you know, he uses community, he uses um, his word, he uses prayer, you know, just all of these steps that we can say yes to that when we look back um, in five years, in six years, in 10 years, um, that we can see God's faithful hand. And um, and I can say that in my own life. I'm sure each of you can say that in your own lives, but that, that the deepest, darkest pain is not the forever. You know, the forever mm. is the mm. walk with Christ that's eternal. And, mm. and that's mm. the time for the transformation. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. I think it's also amazing as believers that uh, God can use that pain. Um, as har- horrible as it is to yeah. help us encourage others. I mean, that's really the beauty, yeah. the gospel. He just makes makes good out of hard. So it's yeah. such a neat thing for you to do that in a novel. So is there one or two things after someone's read your novels, your novel, this specific one, um, that you would hope they take away from your your story? Is there one or two? Yeah, Gosh, I think my my prayer always for every book is, um, you know, that God would do, you know, amazingly, abundantly, more than I could ever imagine with it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and that he would, um, that he would be glorified in it. And, and, it's, and it's something that I write can stir a, a reader's affection more for Christ than, than that's the answer, right? And so my hope is always that there's something in this story that stirs the affection for God, for faith, for, for belief, for encouragement. Um, and that, mm-hmm. and that there's hope, you know, um, there will always be a redeeming message of some kind, um, in my story, just because, you know, I've been redeemed, like we're all being redeemed, you know, um, that's, that's the hope, that's the, that's, that's the glory. And so, um, I think that's probably my, my biggest is just that they would be stirred to, um, they would be stirred in their faith. They'd be stirred somehow um, with their affections for Christ. Mm-hmm. I just love that. So this novel, The Words We Lost, is the first in a series about a pretend publishing company, Fog Harbor Publishing. I loved that you called it Fog Harbor Publishing. I just thought that was so great. Um, so when can we, first of all, what can readers look forward to in the next novel and when does it come out? So I just turned it in. <laughs> um, it'll my, my my books always come out this spring of the following year, so it'll be April of uh, twenty twenty four. Okay. And this next yeah. one is called um, the Road We Follow. The Road We Follow. Um, and 
It mm-hmm. has kind of light connecting themes of publishing a little bit. Like there's one consistent character kind of throughout. It's pretty, I make fairly light connections when I do series. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. a totally standalone um, novel on its own. And I'll just kind of throw out some um, bullet points of what it what it's about. Um, but it is yeah. placed on a two-week cross-country road trip in a large motorhome um, like tour bus. And it's a mom who is nearing 70 and she is kind of a um, inspired-esque by Dolly Parton. Uh, so she's this kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very- That's awesome, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> from, uh, from the words you lost, a little lighter, uh, levity. Um, but so she is the mom, kind of this country music legend, and she has three adult daughters. Two are, are married, and, and my um, the youngest is my heroine of this next novel. And uh, mom kind of says, hey, we're going on this two-week trip. Uh, she's going to kind of go relive um, part of this journey that she took uh, 30 years ago. And uh, so they are, the sisters have, have been quarreling for some time. There's a lot of strife in their, in their family, in their relationship. So this is going to kind of be a forced proximity situation. And then there's a bus driver who <laughs> um, has, there's always, there's always some kind of, you know, wonderful man involved in this, in these stories. So he uh, yes. has a connection to the family that is um, secret. And he is going to be on this tour as well with them, um, with his own agenda. And so it's there's kind of two different mysteries going on. Um, Reagan, my my heroine, is a novelist herself, but she has been a secret novelist because it is not really um, welcome in their uh, kind of country music empire for her to do what she wants to do. So it is, there's a lot of little, little, there's, I had a lot of fun writing it. Um, but of course, because I am me, there's also lots of issues in it as well. <laughs> so why not? Why but not? I love that. That's what makes you so great. It's the issues. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots of hints to reconciliation and why it's important and why it's important to be truthful and that we'll never know the kind of freedom um, that Christ talks about without having, you know, authentic, real conversations, even if they're hard. So there you go. Yeah. So, (laughs) hey, Nicole, where can our listeners get in touch with you, connect with you, buy your books, which I highly recommend? Thank you. Um, so they can go to my website, just NicoleBeast.com. Um, I'm on, you know, all the retailers, uh, Baker Bookhouse, Amazon, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm most active as far as social media on Instagram. So, and I think that's just uh, Nicole Beast author. <laughs> Pretty yeah. Sure Nicole Beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is too. We'll put that, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes mm-hmm. and um, we'll... Yeah, because we really want you guys to buy her books. They're wonderful. You're going to enjoy them. It's a great way to relax. You know, on those nights where you've got so much on your mind and you can't fall asleep, you know, pick up one of Nicole's novels, 
read a little and and then you'll be able to go to sleep because they're awesome. They're amazing. Uh, I love them. Thank you so much for being with us, Nicole. I'm going to close us in prayer and close us out. I can't believe the time got away from us, but it did. And so thank you for being here with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for Nicole. And we just pray blessing over her novels as they continue to come out. We pray, Father, that many lives would just be changed as they continually see the story of transformation play out in characters. Thank you for her life. We pray blessing over her marriage, over her kids, Lord. We just pray that the rest of the summer is filled with joy and making beautiful memories. And we just thank you and praise you for her in Jesus name. Amen. Hey friends, thanks for joining us today. And you can join us again next week for another episode of the Connected Mom podcast, where we're going to have another conversation that will be helpful to you as far as helping you to connect more deeply with God, more empathically with your friends and more intentionally with your child. Thanks for being with us today. Bye-bye. Hey, all you moms out there, this is Becky Harling, and I love creating resources to help you connect more empathically with your child. One of those resources is a book that I wrote called How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. One of the greatest skills you can cultivate, really enhance that connection with your child is the skill of listening. So how well do you really listen? This book is loaded with practical ideas to get your kids talking and to help you as you listen. You can buy it wherever Christian books are sold. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else. So I hope you'll get a copy of the book and put the work into listening to your child.